Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Yes, praise the Lord, it's chat time again. Now this week we're going to continue to discuss current events as well as scriptures. Praise the Lord. So um, it's time for our little spot where it's, did you ever wonder? Did you ever wonder where these phrases come from? And um, today I want to ask you, where do you think it came from when it's, when people say, I'm at my wit's end, meaning that they just have no patience left. Well, it came from the Bible, and it's in Psalm 107, verse 27, and it reads, They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. <laughs> So now you know where it came from. And then, just like we started last week, I want to I talk about the meaning of... Uh, last week we talked about the number one. So this week I want to talk about the number two. So the number two conveys the meaning of a, a union. Or... Um, a, right, like you a pair. Or a division. 
or how does how what does it, it says, how does it convey a division? How does two convey the division? I mean, you can divide it by one, and then in the Bible it talks about how um, if two or more people say the same thing, is yeah, it could be a witness. It could stand right, as a witness. Right, so they verify the facts as a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, or a man and a woman, you know, being two in yeah, marriage. To, yeah, two become uh, one, one flesh. So two, to me, shows uh, a, a unity, like a combining of something. Like, for instance, uh, between Christ and the church. Right. Two also shows uh, an agreement because... Two can't even walk together unless they be in agreement. You have to be on one accord. And also, uh, two can be for, like, when he said two is greater than one. If one falls, then you have somebody there to pick him up. Right. Two so, are better than one, so and I'm two, telling you, that yeah. is the absolute truth. So Lord two represents companionship as well, then. Right. Or where there is two or three are gathered in the midst, I am in the midst of thee, God right. said. Mm-hmm. Or in this article, it says two witnesses in the end time will appear on the world scene to testify and uphold the truth of God against the beast and the false prophet. And you can read that in Revelations chapter 11. Jesus sent the disciples out in groups of two. Right. So that they could not only testify about his teachings and miracles, but also be witnesses of those who accepted or rejected the gospel. And we do things uh, based upon scriptures with even, without even realizing it. I mean, usually when they send people out in squat cars, they're oh, yeah. in pairs. Pair, right. right, you know, they're by two. And two can convey comparison and contrast. The old covenant was based on physical blessings for obedience, while the New Testament is based on those that are spiritual. Say that again. The old covenant was based on physical blessings for obedience. While the New Testament is based on those that are spiritual. I don't know. I I think that's uh I think that might be a portion of it, but that's not the that's old not all there was to the old testament because it's from the old testament that we learned about faith and how the Lord I mean, he even does that now. He blesses us spiritual as well as natural, and he did it then. He blessed them spiritual as well as natural. But I can see where the natural part was emphasized a lot, which is why they could not believe that Job had not sinned, because a lot of the blessings that they received were in the form of natural blessings. But that, it wasn't just that, though. During creation... God created two great lights, one to rule the day and one to rule the night. One great light and one lesser light, though. One greater, right. greater light and a lesser light to rule the night, which is the moon and the daytime is the sun. Mm-hmm. So in the Bible, the shortest... I mean, we are, we are by, uh, you know, I, I hate to say in binary because they have, they have made the name, the word, the term. They know <laughs> it's, it's so politically charged to the negative. But, I mean, you, two eyes, two ears, you know. Two legs, two right. feet. 
two know, hands, two thumbs, right? You know, and I had never really thought about it, but this um, doctor explained one time how we are formed in the womb, even though it's still a mystery. But she was explaining because the baby had a cleft palate, and she was explaining how your body sort of forms and it's, it becomes like two halves, and it starts to grow together. And if something interrupts that process, then you can end up with a child whose development results in a cleft palate because the, the halves hasn't joined together properly. I had never even thought about, you know, how sometimes when you look at, at your body, you, you almost see a line down the middle where your body has come together. But, I mean, we have two nostrils but one nose. You know, have you thought about it? <laughs> it's amazing. Two halves can make one whole. Right. Yeah. So the word God appears in all books of the Bible except two. Okay. And that's the Song of Solomon and the Book of Esther. All right. And the shortest verse in the Bible, everybody knows that, is Jesus wept. And you can find that in John 11.35. And it contains just two words. Mm-hmm. Um... Of the ten shortest books, eighth-ranked Haggai, the book of Haggai, and it has only two chapters. Oh, okay. So in Second Thessalonians, we have a number of titles and references given for Satan. They are the man of sin, son of perdition, the mystery of iniquity, and that wicked one. In Second Peter, we have an end-time rejection of God and the truth foretold. In Second Peter 3, 3-7, John warns us in, that that's uh, in Second Peter 3, 3-7, the end-time rejection of God and the truth foretold. John warns us in Second John about deceivers. Okay whom he also refers to as antichrists. All right. So anyway, that's what we know about the number two. And then I want to continue um, the topic that we started last week about being nice if you're good. And if you're nice, you don't commit murder, you don't steal, you don't cheat, you don't lie, you don't, you're just a plain nice person. Are you going to go to heaven? Well, you're going to do something. I mean, you could be a good person to say, well, I don't cheat. I know this person told me, he said, I don't, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't lie. And I'm looking at him, and true enough, he, he would give you his honest opinion. Uh, he said a fair price, but that was one of the most horrible men I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so you're going to do something without the Lord. You cannot live the law. I know there are people out there who think that they can, but God said you, you know, you, you there are can't. people that say, I'm a good person. I never right. did anything really, really bad. Well, that, I, that, I that, try that, to make the right choices. That really, really, really not bad is enough to separate you from God. Mm-hmm. Yes, too. He kind of reminds me of um, the story of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19 verses 16 through um, 22 when he said, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest 
thou me good. There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Then the young man said unto him, All these things I have kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Right. So you're going to do something, because if you don't, Receive the Lord, whatever it is that's presenting, preventing you from receiving God is, is going to be your God. Whatever's standing between you and the Lord is your God. So his wealth, even though he did all those things, his wealth was his God. And so he went away sorrowful. He, it's like he couldn't see himself without his wealth. So in Isaiah 64, 6, it says that... Um, all of us have become like someone who is unclean. All of the good things we do are like polluted rags to you. Right. The Lord said that what we consider to be uh, selflessness, uh, good deeds, that means nothing to the Lord because the Lord created us to fellowship with him. That's what our purpose is. We are connected. We are to be connected to the Lord. So if you aren't connected to God, those things, they don't mean anything to the Lord as far as you being able to enter in. He's telling you, you need to do what's necessary for me to be able to accept you. And he doesn't condemn you for doing those good things. He doesn't, he blesses a person for doing those good things, but he's saying that won't get you into uh, salvation, that's not what salvation is about. That won't cause me to receive you un into paradise. That won't cause you to have my favor as far as calling you my child and giving you eternal life. You have to. You have to repent. Now, I mean, they're teaching you don't have to repent nowadays. They're, they're teaching that because God died on the cross and forgave our sins, you don't have to repent. And as a result, a person truly ends up setting their own standards and going in their own way. The Lord said, I can't accept someone who does not accept or acknowledge me. So even when you try to do uh, everything right, you try to be good, you try to be nice, you're still a sinner. You were born you're still a with sinner. sin. That's what they say. You're still a, you're still we a, fail to love God best and obey his commands perfectly. You can't do that unless you have the Holy Spirit inside right, you. Because it's a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual matter. It's, it's actually the Lord converting your heart, converting your mind. It's actually you circumcising the foreskin of your heart. It's a spiritual thing. So you can have integrity. The Lord's not saying people don't have integrity. They do. There are people who are noble and who have integrity. But the spiritual side of a person has to confess within their heart. Somebody said to me, oh, I know. What if a person is mute? What if a person's tongue is cut out? How are they going to praise the Lord? I said, you're praising God in your heart. He wants 
YouTube. When they say, well, what if you don't have any legs? How are you going to bow down and get on your knees? I said, he wants you to get on your knees within your heart. He wants you to humble yourself. It's the spiritual side that has to be reconciled to God. Yes, so, it also brings me back to... Um, First Corinthians chapter 13, where he said the more excellent way when he was talking about though I speak with the tongues of men and and of angels and have not charity, I am become a as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing, and though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Right, so he's talking about the love of God, not giving to goodwill. He's talking about the love of the Lord, the charity, the pure love of God, which is spiritual. So you have to come to a spiritual uh Bonding with the Lord so that he recognizes you as his own. So um, the punishment for sin is when you die in sin, you go to hell and, and you're separated from the Lord. And if everyone has, you know, so people might say, well, if everyone has sinned and deserves to go to hell, how can anyone ever be saved from and they, sin and go to heaven? But the Bible says... That God's grace has saved you because of your faith and because in of Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Christ. sacrifice. And also, you can even look at it in, in the natural, like, like take for instance, like when you plug up electro appliances and stuff. If it's not plugged into the sort, the power source, it it cannot work. So it's like the same thing with with God. If we don't plug in to that power source that Jesus offered, we can't do anything. We, we won't work. Right, because you need that connection. Sacrifice is hard for people to understand when they're thinking in terms of, like you were saying, the natural. It's hard to understand that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. Something that took place in the natural actually affects us spiritually because it's more to us than just the natural. So the blood of Jesus covers us. The Lord becomes our intercessor. The Lord remains our covering throughout all eternity. And, and I know that people have heard this before, but it's, uh, it's God's gift. It's a gift from God. Right. It's not anything that you can do or anything that you have done. It, your salvation doesn't come from works. Right. Your salvation doesn't come because you're a good person. And, and you know, the, the good thing about it is that when people do good things, mm -hmm. they can turn around and they can brag about it. Mm -hmm. They can say, look what I did. Look what I did. Now I'm, I'm saved. <laughs> you know, right. but you can't do it. Ephesians chapter 2, um, verses 8 to 9 says that you can't do that. Right, because you didn't suffer. You weren't, a, you need a perfect sacrifice. And no one was perfect except for God himself. So no one was perfect to become that sacrifice. And the Lord has become our mediator. So when, when people, when they do good things, God does not, he does not fault them for that. The Lord doesn't look at them and, and, and punish them for that. The Lord actually will bless a person for, yeah. for doing charitable things. But if they reject his love, 
then he cannot accept you in. You know, have you ever had people, uh, you have rules for your home, and regardless of how uh, people might present something, there are certain things within your home you just don't allow. And they might do some of the sweetest, nicest things, but you say, well, you know, you can't come here. Just like if I know somebody is, is dealing drugs, and I know they're an avid drug dealer, you know, as much as I love them, they can't come to my house. I don't want my house shut up. You know, so you have, there are certain rules that you have that you hold fast to because you, can, you don't deny yourself. And that's how the Lord is. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Romans uh, 8 and 9 where it says, But ye are in the... F- Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Right. And you have to open up to the Lord. You have to acknowledge that he is God. You have to acknowledge that you uh, need him, that you love him, and that he can actually, Lord said, I convert you. I change you. I make you a brand new creature. And so if you don't do that, he can't accept you. It's, it's not that he doesn't love you. He cannot accept you. And there are certain things, that, standards that we have. And if a person doesn't meet those standards, then you find yourself rejecting no matter how well-intentioned the person might be because that standard is just that important to you, you reject them. And that's how the Lord is regarding sin. He said, I'm too pure of an eye to behold sin. Sin cannot dwell in his presence. He said, I have to cover you with my blood. I have to cover you with my righteousness. Because if I don't, I'm too pure of an eye to be hold a, a, for your presence to even come near me. Just like when he told them when his anointing was on the mountain. He said, don't let an animal, don't let a person touch the mountain. He said, because if they do, they're going to die. Not because the Lord doesn't love them. It's just because, like you tell a child, don't put your hand in the fire. The fire doesn't lose its heat. You know, just because you the child is nice, you tell them, don't put your hand in the fire. Don't put the fork inside the socket. You know, don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't change the fact that it is what it is by its very nature. Well, it's a, a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's a gift that we don't deserve. Right. But he loves us so much. Right. And by his grace, he gives us this gift. But... You can't, I mean, so he gives us a gift. You have to receive it. Right. You have to take it. You have to somehow. You have to open up by faith and you have to receive what he has to offer because if he can't cover you with his righteousness, you will not be able to dwell in his presence. It's impossible because by his very nature. And it's for everybody. Right. I mean, I, I think you're going to be surprised if you get to heaven and you and you see so and so and you say, yeah, he's in heaven too. You know, it, it's only because God's gift. And if you accept it, if you repent and you receive it, you mm-hmm. know, and be obedient to Him, it, and then you become as He is. You know, you have your spiritual DNA. All right. So the next question I have is, who is the Holy Spirit? Jesus. God. And people don't want, there are people who don't want to acknowledge that, but it's the spiritual that the Lord is trying to get across because this natural body, even though because. So we're not talking about a ghost here 
When we say the Holy Ghost, that means spirit. The Holy Spirit. We're not talking about like Casper, the friend they call him. No. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, something in a haunted house. We're talking or about that spiritual uh, 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 sacrifice that, that God has given us, the spiritual gift that he has given us because he sacrificed his life. And that converts us, that makes us his child. So when the Lord looks at us, he says, That's my child. Not everybody, not every soul is a child of God. Only those that the Lord can say, this is my spiritual DNA. They, I'm, they're covered with my blood. They have accepted me. I have saved them. I have delivered them. I've rescued them. I've molded them, and I make them in my image. All right, so in the Bible, you read that people heard from the Lord. In the Old Testament, God spoke to them. Speaks to us now. Um, and so you sometimes think that he's speaking out loud to the people. But sometimes. Uh, in, in, in the Old Testament, you mm -hmm. know. But it really is um, not so much all the time out loud as what it is in your heart, what you feel. Well, don't you hear his word in your heart? Oh, you hear him spiritually. He guides how you think, or he, uh, he, he when he spoke with Moses, you know, when he when he directly confronted Moses, when he spoke to Hagar and told her, take Ishmael back and and just be obedient to to your to your mistress. But now. I don't think the Lord speaks out loud to people. I do. I mean, I think he, he talks to us in dreams. I believe he speaks visions, out loud. And I believe he also depended on what your circumstances. And in your heart. Yeah. And, and he out guides loud. you. He gives you good feelings or bad feelings about certain I things. I believe God does all those things plus more. I believe the Lord will, will, will speak. I remember one time <laughs> my mother was, this is when she had first gotten saved. And I know people were going around talking about they don't believe in tithes. Huh. The Lord said out loud to her, what will a man give in exchange for their soul? It scared her so bad. And the first thing she said, not for some sum of money. She just, it just came out and she realized it was down to the penny. It was her tithes. So she was like that rich ruler. She was holding on to the money. And so she went and told my father, we're going to pay tithes. And he was a stingy man, and he was a mean man. And she said she did not care. We were going to pay tithes. And the Lord began to bless. I believe God speaks out audible. Yeah, and I recall when you had told him the experience when um, he was wondering about, Lord, who is going to stay saved? Everybody looked like they're just falling apart. And then you said, God told you, you stay saved. Yep. Just right, we're going to have to continue this next week because I want to know definitely how, I mean, when God speaks to you, can other people around you hear him? Not you know, all right, all right, all right, we're going to ask, <laughs> go next week. <laughs> all right, well, that was a, that was a good um, discussion for today. But all good things must come to an end. But praise God and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. This week's verse of the day comes from Titus 3 and 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing 
of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, ain't God all right? God, God is, is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Last week's Food for Thought was, what were the six foods the Israelites remember eating in Egypt that they did not have in the wilderness? And the answer is fish, melons, leeks, cucumbers, onions, and garlic. And that can be found in Numbers chapter 11, verse 5, which reads, We remember the fish, which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. This week's food for thought is, when Moses sent men to spy out the land of Canaan, what fruits did they bring back? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. <laughs>